as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back. It is the Top Pair Podcast. I am your host. It is Eric Weinstein. With me, as always, in his USA Hockey onesie. Guess what? He's the captain. It's Nick Maxwell. Nicky, what is up, bud? Nothing much, man. Just felt like this would be appropriate today after the U.S. women dominated the Finns today. Only 5-2, but the game seemed like a much bigger blowout than that. So hats off to the women. Kendall Coyne, Schofield, Amanda Kessel, Hillary Knight, everybody involved. Awesome showing. Yeah, the U.S. women's hockey team, absolute wagon. Um, expecting big things out of them. Um, but yeah, we're back. It was in, uh, We had a week off last week because I got last-minute tickets to the Islander game on the night we would normally record. Um, so we weren't able to record last week, but we will record this week, of course. We are back with the week that was in the National Hockey League. Before we get started, just going to go through the housekeeping, of course. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Audio Boom. You can find us on the homepage of the A1 Sports Network, a1sportsnetwork.com, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at A1 Sports Network. The podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at TopPair underscore pod. That is TopPair underscore pod. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Eric Weinstein, two C's, two N's, Nicholas. Yep, you can follow me on Twitter at nmaxwell01, two C's, two N's, always included there, or on Instagram at nickjmaxwell, no C's, no N's. It was always that because Eric Weinstein was taken when I made Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> so I just added a C, added an N, and ipso presto, there we go. Um, all right, so we are finally at the All-Star break after what felt like like thousands of games that got canceled or moved, their players coming in left and right because of COVID. Um, we're here at the All-Star Game. The game is this Saturday afternoon, Saturday the 5th, if recording Thursday night. Um, just wanted to get into the, the leaders and where we are halfway through the season. Um, your top five in points, Jonathan Huberto, one, Leon Dreitseidel, two, Connor McDavid, three, Tied with Nazem Kadri at 60 points, who everybody saw that coming, that he'd have the same amount of points as Connor McDavid halfway through the season. Um, and Alex Ovechkin has 58 points, shown in fifth. Uh, your top five in goals, everybody had this. Chris Kreider, who's never scored more than 28 goals in a season, has 33 goals, the most in the league. Shout out to him. Leon Dreitseidel with 32 goals in second. Alex Ovechkin, 29 goals. Austin Matthews, 29 goals. And Alex Dabrinkit in, fi- in fifth. With 26 points. Yeah, Nazem Kadri, Chris Kreider in the top five in points and goals. Exactly how you would have thought it would have come at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, just like everybody had it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's so wild when some of these dudes just magically catch fire. Like, we were talking before here, right? Like, Ryan Hartman being the leader in plus minus. Plus 32. Yeah, like... What a year. What a weird, I guess this just has to go right hand in hand with the pandemic, right? Like weird year, games getting moved, games getting canceled. Oh, and look, you know, the guy who everyone assumes New York is going to try and trade eventually is now leading the league in goals. Right. Yeah, just like everybody thought, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm slowly morphing into the thought that Jonathan Huberto, is he like the best player in the league? Like obviously it's Connor McDavid, but like Jonathan Huberto, just every game, is on the score sheet getting better and better. I think he's definitely entered into the top five situation. I still can't put anybody ahead of McDavid for, A, for just, you have to do it consistently for more than a year, in my opinion. And two, it's just like every time I'm always like, is McDavid that good? And then he always pulls out some ridiculous highlight goal. But yeah, And the answer yeah, is I mean, yes, I mean, McDavid is that good. That's the answer yeah. to that question. Yeah, like it, it's just, it's, it's no, I mean, Huberto, what he's doing down there, and we talked about him a little bit two weeks ago. Like, he's not even playing with Barkov all the time either. Like, he's driving his own line, and that's what makes this Florida team so scary come playoffs, right? Because it always seems like the teams that win the cup are always the teams that get the most out of their bottom six and their depth scoring. So, the fact that this guy, he, you know, he can play the physical game. He's not afraid to go in front of the net on the power play. He's got a really underrated shot, and he is quietly one of the best passers in the National Hockey League, too. So he's just, you talk about, like, total package. 
I mean, I, I am going to be very interested to see what his next payday looks like. Yeah, it, I would think it's somewhere around what what Barkov is making. Probably a little less. I would think like seven by eight and a half, something like that. Um, or eight and a half by seven. However you're supposed to say it, that's it. Eight, eight and a half million a year for seven years. Thank you. Um, so yeah, his Florida Panthers, they are leading the Atlantic Division. They are first in the Eastern Conference, 69 points. Tampa Bay right behind them in second place with 66 points. Toronto in third with 61. Uh, in the Metro, Carolina in first with 64 points. Tied with the Rangers with 64 points. But Carolina does have five games in hand on the Rangers. Um, kind of the surprise of the Eastern Conference would be the New York Rangers, in my opinion. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins are in third place in the Metro with 62 points. And your two wildcard teams in the East are Washington with 59 points. Boston with 55 points, and Detroit is the next team down with 46 points. Successful year so far for the Red Wings. But, I mean, outside of the Rangers, I mean, who were kind of a bubble team of maybe getting into playoffs, maybe not, you know, they kind of replaced the Islanders and the teams that everybody kind of thought was going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and, and it goes to speak how deep the East is with the fact that the Bruins and the Cavs, for as well as they've played this year, are like battling for their lives every single night for playoff positioning, right? So you, you just don't get a night off in the East. Like, that's for damn certain. Um, but I, I, I'm with you. Like, it, I was kind of either way on the Rangers before the season started. I wasn't sure which way they could go or if they were ready to make that step yet, especially with the way last year ended, right? Like, everybody was questioning their toughness. They had that weird blow-up of, you know, uh, Gordon, Davidson both being canned and Jury stepping in. So, I mean, I'm, it's it's awesome to see. Like, I don't really – I'm not really like a Rangers fan, but I do think the league is better when the Rangers are a more competitive team. Um, I, I like it more that because, you know, it's not NBC putting them on primetime every single week for no freaking reason. <laughs> uh, but they just – another team, like, again, they just have so much depth, like – you know, you talk about on the just on the wings alone. It's you know, it's Lafreniere, Kako as their young guys, but then they have experienced superstars like uh, Panarin and and Kreider, and you know, it's just it, again, it's just a team that can just come at you just in absolute waves. Yeah, and they might have maybe the favorite to win the Vesna Trophy and Igor Shesterkin in gold every night. That's a guy that can. I mean, I don't know if they. I don't know if they can win. You know three you know three four rounds to win the Stanley Cup but if Shesterkin gets hot I mean you're you're definitely winning around maybe two because that guy he's been lights out for the New York Rangers he's been fantastic and you know right now Adam Fox is out Capo Caco is out so their depth is kind of getting tested a little bit but they have been playing pretty well uh, Keandre Miller has really stepped up he's showing why he was such a such a highly touted prospect um, I kind of shit all over the Barkley Goodrow signing. He's been fantastic for them. Um, you know, ten goal, twenty points in forty-four games, but he does all the little things. He's he's a great pickup for them. You know, Panarin leading the way, thirty-nine assists, fifty-two points. You know, the Rangers they they got tougher bringing in Reeves and Goodrow, and you know the young guys are starting to pop off. And you know the names that everybody knows, the Zibanejads, the Panarins, they're still performing. So. Um, Moving right along there, we'll go out to the Western Conference. You just made me pump the Rangers tires for so long. I can't believe you made me do that. Um, the Western Conference, the uh, the number one seed right now in the in the Western Conference would be your Central Division leading Colorado Avalanche. The Nashville Predators in second place in the Central with 60 points. Minnesota knocking on the door for second place with 59 points. Um, in, in the Pacific Division, you had Vegas, who kind of everybody thought was going to be leading the division. Uh, in first place, 57 points. Then your two surprises. You have L.A. and Anaheim with 55 points each. And second and third place in your Pacific Division, your wild cards. The strong and steady St. Louis Blues and the Calgary Flames with the Edmonton Oilers with 49 points. And the Dallas Stars with 48 knocking on the door. The West is a little closer um, for the teams not currently in playoff position than the East is. But... I mean, surprises all around with L.A., Anaheim, even Nashville, you know, being as good as they've been so far. Yeah, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of good teams in the West that, I mean, we talked about things that are weird this year, but the one thing that's not weird is that the Central Division is just so freaking loaded. Yep. Like you talk about Colorado, Nashville, Minnesota, St. Louis, you know, they're, they're all one to four. If you talk about 
looking at strictly just points, like one to four of the top four teams points wise in the West are all in that central division. So it's, I mean, and what an awesome bounce back here this has been for Nashville, especially Matt Duchesne specifically, oh, yeah. right? Like, like we shit on them in the preseason talking about how they're just going to be boring and, you know, play like the, the style of hockey with a bunch of overpriced free agents. But Philip Forsberg has just refounded his game again. Matt Duchesne is really starting to chip in again. UC Soros, I think, has went to another two Fantastic. levels with how good he's been. He's on my fantasy I think he really team. deserves he's been... all-star appearance. So uh, I'm, I'm really happy for him. I think he's been kind of waiting for this opportunity patiently behind Pecorino. They brought him along patiently enough. Um, but, you know, the team for me that I'm going to have to watch is just Vegas just because it sounds like Eichel is about a month out from being ready to be a full goal. So what's they're gonna what are they gonna look like once they get to around the fifty five ish game mark, sixty ish game mark and they have the chance to hit for him to kind of play around, you know, fifteen, twenty games with his line mates, develop a little bit of chemistry, shake off that rust and, and get back into it. Yeah, uh going back to Yusei Saros, he was on my fantasy team and I got him very late in the draft, so he's like stemming towards steal of the draft. But um back to Nashville and Matthew Shane, forty one points in forty two games. I guess he finally put the guitar down and started to actually focus on uh, focus on playing for the Predators and not just being a country music star. Um, Mikhail Granlin, 32 assists and 38 points. That guy's just as solid as it gets. But Philip Forsberg, now you gotta see, now you got to pony up because you got to pay this guy. You can't let this guy go with the season that you've had. Um, you know, 24 goals, 38 points in 33 games played. He's missed a little bit of time. And, you know... Roman Yossi, the the man rocket that he is, leading the way with forty four points, could be you know uncomfortably handsome. Uh, yeah, just unnecessarily handsome. How good looking he is, it's unreal. But anywho, um, moving on from that, I mean the Preds, they they've shown that they can really play with anybody. Uh, a surprise for them, not really a guy nobody was talking about as a rookie. Tanner Janot, fourteen goals, and he's tough as nails. This kid, so. Good to see he's been playing very well for them. Um, and yeah, you say Soros. He is 24-11-3, a 2-3-5 goals against, and a 9-2-7 save percentage. That'll do. Yeah, very comfortably on in my fantasy lineup every night. Um, the Edmonton Oilers are kind of picking it up a little bit. They've won. Um, I have their, you know, they beat the Capitals on Wednesday night. They've won, let's see. One, two, three, four. They've won five of six, and they lost an overtime to the Senators. That's kind of rough. But, you know, five of six with points in all six, so they're kind of starting to pick it up a little bit. Um, bringing in, and we might as well segue right into this, Evander Kane. Welcome to the Edmonton Oilers. Three points in three games, two goals already. Um, you and I were both pretty critical of this, thinking if your team is in such disarray, why are you bringing in this guy who's an unbelievable distraction? But in the first three games, I'd say it's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah, well, I said, I said, there, there is a chance this somehow works out. Like this could, it's either going to go two ways. This is either going to blow up in their face, or this is, this could propel them into like first place, right? Uh, so, I mean, look, I all my personal vendettas against Evander Kane aside, I think he is a really exciting player to watch. Uh, I mean, and the Edmonton style of play, I mean, the way this team's built, they're definitely not going to win a cup, but every single night, it's just like running gun style. That game against Washington last night, it was just so ridiculous because it was just constantly trading chances. Um, I think Edmonton picked up a shorthanded goal and ended up being the game winner off Nugent Hopkins. So for them, it's, I think it's just, they, again, I feel like Koskinen has just kind of like, not been great, but he's kind of just like settled down a little bit. You know, he's made most of the saves that he just needs to make, you know, um, I think he had one that was kind of, you're we like, eh, he needs to have that back. But overall, I think, again, just painfully average, even slightly below average type of goaltending is what can propel this team going forward. I haven't heard about Mike Smith, if he's ready to come back or not, but I think getting him back at with the veteran that he is and everything that he's ever been through in his career, he'd be the perfect kind of setup man for the ship. Um, if they have to keep playing Stuart Skinner, no offense to him, that could get a little rough. Offense but, to him. Yeah, but it's just, <laughs> I mean, and then also, like, going down the coast, like, man, these California teams are so fun to watch. I so mean, there's fun. just so much 
ridiculous skill, young skill on Anaheim. Trevor Zegers pulls off the Michigan the other night. Um, L.A. with guys like Adrian Kempe, who I don't think people have really heard of yet. Uh, Mikey Anderson, too, on the back end. And Jonathan Quick is actually playing surprisingly well, too. Um, a lot of people thought Cal Peterson would be starting at this point in his career, but Quick has kind of said, you know, hey, this is still my net. I'm still competitive. I still think I can be the workhorse here. Yeah, he's not done yet. Uh, 12, 10, and 6, 260 goals against the 912 save percentage for, you know, let's be honest, a guy who's, you know, kind of on the back nine of his career here. But when he get another guy, when he gets hot, you know, there's few better in the world than Jonathan Quick. He's still technically. He's been the last NHL goaltender to play between the Pipes for Team USA. So he's still my goaltender, still the goaltender for Team USA. Happy that he's playing well. Um, and this Zegras goal, like, he didn't even slow down to get the puck on his stick. And, and he wasn't even like, impressed with himself. He was just like, oh, yeah, I just tucked that in under the bar. He's like, yeah, no, <laughs> it's whatever. Like, if that, if that arena was full in Montreal, do you know how many people were probably going to give him just, like, a standing ovation just for even trying that? Like, he, that was so nuts. Yeah, he's like, yeah, regular, whatever. <sighs> it's not like Montreal has a lot to che- has had a lot to cheer about this year anyway. Uh, eight wins uh, in 44 games? Yeah, that's fair. Yikes. Um, yeah, we don't have to talk about what's gone wrong in Montreal and their negative 73 goal differential. Um, but... Moving right along from that, um, there's been to, it, it, the one thing about this season is that it definitely hasn't been boring. I mean, with all the games being moved, with all the you know the breakout kind of years, like a guy like Nazem Kadri who we brought up earlier, sixty points um, just makes that Colorado team so scary with the kind of with the amount of points that that guy's putting up. But we know what the question is with Nazem Kadri. You know, sixty points in forty-one games, great. You got to hold your breath as soon as the calendar turns to the playoffs because you don't know what this guy is going to do. Yeah, for sure, right? And and I think too that that more than anything else, no matter what he finishes points wise this season, is going to determine what his market is in the off season. Yep. Because I'm sure he wants to get paid, wants to get paid handsomely, and wants to go and be a star, probably in a Canadian market. I would say too. So again, you're you're what's that saying about your reputation? You are what your reputation. I don't. I reputation. Don't know. Something. Something about your reputation. Yeah. Um, precedes you. So. There you go. Yeah. Uh, wow. Holy crap! Bad thought. Let um, me ask anyway, you a question. So, Since you just brought up what he's going to make in the in the open market, I want you to put your GM hat on for a second. Okay. Right now. If you're if you have to sign one of these guys long term, who is it? Nazem Kadri or Philip Forsberg? I probably still take Forsberg. You still take it, Forsberg. I thought so too. I I just think I think Forsberg is definitely a first line player. I think Kadri is a sometimes first line player. Like I think he fits that role right now with McKinnon being out and his concussion issues. Um, but I think I think to me Forsberg, although Forsberg, I think the last couple of years, well, no, I think he performed pretty well last year in the playoffs. But I think it's it's a little bit tougher because. It's harder to drive your line when, unless you're a bona fide superstar winger. But I just, I still like the way that he plays. I think he's the perfect modern day power forward. I, if I, if I'm, if I only have room cap space for one of those guys, I'm taking Forsberg all day. And he's handsome as the day is long, so that also helps. And, it's don't, like a- and don't get me wrong, like I love the way Kadri plays. Like being that guy who gets under people's skin, but it's just, I don't know. There's just too much. Sometimes, much there. sometimes yeah, he plays a little too close to the edge. Yeah, him, sometimes he just crosses it. that a little bit too much. And, I, and again, I think the perfect role for him is a second-line center on a good team. I think he kind of controls Colorado's fate. I mean, if they, they need him in the playoffs, if he does something stupid and all of a sudden he's suspended another five, six, seven games in the playoffs, you know, you're, they're, they're deep, but your depth gets real thin when a guy – who's having a season like Kadri is just out of the lineup for two weeks. Yeah, for sure. And I think if I've heard things from Darren Dreger and Elliot Friedman kind of thought of this too, that they might be in on the Claude Giroux move at Ooh. the end of the year as like a specialty insurance. I'm dying and I think for the that. plan would be to put Giroux on the wing, but he's kind of your emergency two-center 
if Kadri does something stupid again. Keep him away from the Bruins. I don't care where he goes as long as it's not there. I think I think if he gets moved, it's going to have to be no matter really who takes him. Um, like it, it's going to have to be some weird three team deal, just because I know it's the end of the year, but just so few teams have cap space. Yeah, have any cap space left? Like I saw a thing today that said like I think like eight or nine teams have like less than a million dollars left in cap space. So that's going to be some weird, tough finagling going on. Yeah, there's going to be some some weird stuff that's just going to be going on that nobody expects um but there's a lot of good you know pending ufas that are you know just waiting to be plucked by another team uh i was gonna say something i don't remember oh yeah about claude Giroux. he does own a full no trade so if he wants yeah. to stay he can stay but if he wants to he you know he controls his destiny pretty much yeah and the flyers brass even said like hey claude's done enough for us where if he tells us he wants out we're going to do it. Or, you know, if he wants to trade with a certain team, well, we're going to do our best to make it work. So I think that's really good for an organization. It's yeah. a good message to send the rest of the players around the league. Um, so we'll see. I mean, me personally, I feel like Claude will just say, like, nah, I'm good. Like, I'm just going to pick a different team to go to, like, in the offseason and just start over. But if, if he really wants to, I think he, they could really make it work somehow. Yeah, you know, it's obviously the only team he's ever played for. He's the captain. You know, he's the the very heavily bearded face of the franchise. You know, it's still still his team. So it's really up to Claude, but I think he's going to be the number one sought-after guy this trade deadline once that season comes around. So um, I think he stays. I think, he's, I think he takes pride in being the captain there. Um, it's going to be a couple years before they're – they're probably going to have to strip that thing down, but – um, I think he takes yeah, pride in being the, the injuries there. there have been so like I've never seen a team maybe other than Buffalo yeah, we right. have to deal with more injuries to prominent players like Ryan Ellis I feel like has played like less than 10 games Katuri and Hayes have been on the IR list on and off all year I don't know why but they signed Martin Jones and they got what they deserved when they signed Martin Jones yeah so. they sure did <laughs> so it's just yeah I'm with you like I don't really know who the pieces are of that organization that you're moving forward with. Like I've heard, I heard Konechny's name is getting thrown around in trade rumors, and it's like, why? That's not a guy you move. Like thirty goal scorer, I think he's like 25, he's 26 20, years old. Twenty four. Like, twenty four yeah. on a team friendly deal. He makes five and a half per year for four more years. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't really. <laughs> he's not the guy you. Move. All right. Well, I heard I with the Flyers. I mean, I've read stuff that. Like teams are going to be calling about Provorov. Like, why are you moving him? Like, yeah, just I I, I'll cut. The, I I don't like the Flyers. I'll but, cu- I'll cut the phone line for you. At that point, you might as well just sell off Carter Hart too, because what's the point of putting this guy in front of a rebuild right now when his confidence is already low? Right. I mean, they have guys to move. There, Justin Braun is a guy you can move. Yandel's a guy you can move. You know, there's there's other guys. I mean, even Van Riemsdyk. He's got two years left. He's got this year and next. I mean, it's at seven million, but you know, eat some salary. Travis Sanheim. I mean, there's other guys I would think to move before him. The Provorov. I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen. You know, he's getting traded. That's that's a <laughs> what a bad move that was. But um, <laughs> I mean, sheesh. They don't have their first round pick. <laughs> oh yes, they do. It's. Was oh was the first round pick last year, right? Yeah, they took they took right. right. Uh, kid out of, yeah, they could have took a kid out of Sweden with it. Yeah, right. I forgot. I forgot it was great. this year. It, I mean, still, <laughs> it's still bad. Um, I mean, because you're looking at a lot of like Jerry Mayhew, Wade Allison. Yeah, like, other other than like Cam York, like I don't really know like who's their next up and coming prospect. You know what I mean? Cam York is so good. <laughs> he's so sick. Like that kid is he's so smooth. Like he's going to be a problem for a while. But yeah, I'm looking at the injured reserve. You know, Kevin Hayes is on it now. Joel Farabee, Derek Broussard, Nate Thompson, uh Ryan Ellis on LTIR, Katuria LTIR. Like that's a lot of important pieces that are you know not playing and you know Katuria's contract, you know, his raise kicks in next year. Ellis makes 6.2 you know, Kevin Hayes makes seven. You know, there's some there's some money 
you know, Provorov makes 6.7. There's a lot of money on the books here. It's going to take a lot to kind of strip this thing down. I mean, how Kem Atkinson makes 5.8 for another four years. He's been good, but, you know, is he going to want to stick around on a team that's probably rebuilding? So the Flyers have a lot of questions they have to, that they don't really have answers to right now. Yeah, and I'm looking at, like, one of their prospect pool websites right now, and, like, it's a bunch of who's who. Like, like a lot of these guys will be, like, solid players, like a Joel Faraby type, but I'm not seeing a ton of, like, top-end talent here. Like, Emil Andre, I'm, I'm probably not even pronouncing that right, like, was left off of Sweden's team. Uh, well, Bobby Brink, you know, he's having a good collegiate level, but... I mean, it doesn't always translate. Like, Wade Allison, I'm pretty sure just tore his ACL over a couple weekends ago. Like, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of meh. They have Matthew Strom, the third one. Is um, he a first-round pick? No. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. EliteProspects.com, Matthew Strom. He of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. He's 6'4". Huge. Uh, he was a fourth-round pick. Oh, that's tough. 106th <laughs> overall. Uh, he looks just like the brothers. Um, but, yeah, they have Cam York. I mean, that's a good you know piece for your back end. Bobby Brink is solid. I didn't expect to talk this much about the Flyers, but, I mean, it's, it's not great. Um, we had a couple signings I kind of wanted to get to if you want to bring those up. We have Jordan Greenway. Uh, the giant left winger of the Minnesota Wild. He signed a three-year, $9 million deal, which comes out to $3 million I mean, per year. Fucking bargain for Billy Guerin, huh? Yeah, not bad. Modified no trade in 24-25. Uh, he's 24 years old and from Canton, New York, middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to look at me and be like near neck of the woods. I was about to be like, nope, not near me. <laughs> not even close. It's like, and and you're not exactly in, you know, you know the big city. I'm not anywhere near New York City. Basically, what you're trying to say there. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. So Jordan Greenway, uh, 14 points in 34 games. Um, he's a big part of their future, and I love, 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 love this deal for the Wild. Yeah, I mean, Billy Guerin just absolute, just chalked that one up as a W. Like, if if I somehow got Jordan, if I thought Jordan Greenway was only going to take $3 million a year, I probably would have signed him a year ago to, like, a five-year deal. Yeah, that. right. Like, like, I mean, good for him. He, he does, he is such a staple for the way that they want to play. Um, Marcus Foligno credits him so much for having, for him having his breakout year and already having his career high in goals. So, uh, he's just a heavy presence. Probably took a little bit longer that they wanted to, but he was a guy that they were worried about Vegas taking in the expansion draft, and that's why they got Alex Tuck, Sabres legend Alex Tuck. That right. Is. Um, Correct. But and you see, like you know, it took a little bit longer than people probably, excuse me, wanted. But they're really showing off right now. I mean, he can skate, he can hit, he can grind with you. He'll, he'll outskill you. Um, I think this dude is going to be. He's that dream power forward every GM wants. So. Again, good for the Wild, and it's amazing to me like their development right now. Their top two lines are probably as good as any top six in the league. Humming those top two lines, and everybody's going to play stand a little taller with that guy in the lineup. Um, and then going out to Vegas, Braden McNabb, he re-upped to stay. One of the original Golden Knights, uh, he re-upped. It is a three-year, $8.5 million deal. So it's a $2.85 million cap hit per year. This guy is just steady as they come. You know, he's one of those guys that you want to have on, you know, your bottom two pairs. Um, another move that I just, I really, really like. He's only 31, so this deal will take him to his age 34 season. I think you got to have guys like like Braden McNabb on your team. I know a lot of teams would want to have him. Yeah, one of the four remaining OG uh, Golden Knights on the team um, like you said, though, just as steady as they come, like there's a reason they need guys like this. A because their their cap value is low, cash value is low, um, and they just eat up a ton of minutes. Like he's just 
won't do anything to wow you. I'm sure a lot of fans who are casual fans have never even heard of Braden McNabb. Probably. But, and, but he's quietly bounced around the league a little bit, but I think he's really settled into his spot and into his role. I think he loves playing behind Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo comfortably in that second pairing. Um, and he, he brings a lot of feistiness that they need with playing some of those big teams in the West. It's got to be just a walk in the park to look up and you have playing in front of you Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, it's um, like, oh, okay, you guys take the tough guys. I'll, I'll take the, the other guys. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's playing just averaging just under 20 minutes a game. I mean, that's perfect. Slot him right in, solid, got to love it. Um, and then one of the old guys getting maybe his last a little payday here, Jeff Carter um, in the final year of his 11-year, $58 million contract that he signed two teams ago with the Flyers. Um, he re-upped. It's a full no-move clause, a two-year, $6.25 million deal. That is $3.1 million per year. Um, Jeff Carter, I mean, he's having a really, really nice season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's 37 years old. Um, he has 12 goals and 14 assists in 40 games. And just a good, solid veteran who can play center, he can play wing. A great piece to have for, for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, so I'm happy for him. Um, he's got two cups. I think he's got a gold medal. I think he was on one of those Canadian teams. So I, I was kind of thinking like to myself, like, is this going to be it? Like him being 37, um, like, does he really have anything left to prove? You know, but... Good for him. He wants to keep playing. He's like you said, right off the stats, like he's producing at a high level. And I think it's always really fun when you get to just watch guys like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin play in front of you the whole the, for the whole night. So yeah, I think he's found again. You know, I I thought he was going to retire at King. I thought he loved LA. He loved that LA lifestyle. And when he got traded here, I was kind of thinking like, you know back to PA does he really want to you know be here for the rest of his career but he's he's found a really nice home for him um I got another veteran guy who has helped out a lot of dudes like you know Evan Rodriguez and Danton Heinen um really look up to him I think he's really helped out Kasperi Kapanen too so uh I think it's kind of a no-brainer I think for both Carter and and the Pens as long as they can make it work money-wise yep and now he's going this will take him right to his you know age 39 season it's a little bit of a a little bit of a bump, um, well, from what the the Kings retain salary. Never mind, forget I said that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's worse teams you could play for. You know, you have Sid, Gino, Jake Ensel. You know, it's not not it's not all bad. Uh, but they yeah, got some you're, gonna play, you're gonna be in a playoff position, you know, for the next two years. Exactly. Too, so they got some decisions to make as well, because you know, Gino's a UFA. Um, Brian Russ is UFA, Crystal Tang is UFA all at the end of the season. Um, but the big decision they got to make is on Chad Ruedel. You got to know if you got to, you got to see if you got to bring that guy back. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. If, like Malkin was just like, yeah, I'm out. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to yeah. go back to Russia. Malkin's like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I got my cups. I have an MVP. I got the heart trophy. I got, I'm good. <laughs> Believe me, I'm good. I would lose my mind, honestly. I'd be like, "Oh my god!" I would love that. I would love that. That would be the that would be the most Malkin thing ever. He's just like, "Yeah, Russian Super League. I'm good." And then just to spite him, the Pens the Pens would bring back Phil Kessel just to piss him off. Yeah, exactly. They <laughs> can go where seventy one would love it. Would absolutely love it. Um, okay, we had a couple um couple jersey retirings last night. Both both on this last week. Both guys on the same night. First off, we'll start. At Madison Square Garden, the great Henrik Lundqvist, his number 30, was raised to the Madison Square Garden rafters in an amazing ceremony that I watched right before we got the snowstorm. Um, you know, Hank, they brought out his whole family, all the, you know, the retired numbers for the Rangers that could be there. They had Messier, Adam Graves, Leach was there. Um, they're just so, so very, so well done. Um Naturally, John McEnroe had to give Hank a gift because, you know, that guy's always got to be at, at Madison Square Garden. Um, <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, he gave him a guitar. Like, that made no sense. <laughs> I was like, why is John McEnroe giving somebody a guitar? You don't even play this sport, let alone for this team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's always at the Garden for Nick and Ranger games, but, like, he was a tennis player. Why are you giving a guitar? 
<laughs> or like, he, why can't you just do that on like your own time? Like, why do you have to take up the ceremony? Why was he the presenter? Like, they couldn't get anybody else. I don't know. Maybe oh. Patrick McEnroe was busy. Like, have his like have his wife give it to him. I don't know. She was there. <laughs> Uh, but then Hank came out. I was trying to figure out how much he paid for the suit that he was wearing. This beautiful, like, double-breasted – I thought it was, like, a $15,000 suit. Like, custom fit perfectly. He looked great. Um, duh. Of course he did. Um, and his speech was really good. Uh, he just he – had, he had Madison Square Garden in the palm of his hand. A well-deserved honor for Henrik Lundqvist. And, you know, obviously, unfortunately, never got the cup, but – you know, one of the greatest goalies we'll ever see. Yeah, I, I really can't get anything out of that. I mean, just the absolute backbone of that organization for as long as he played there. Late round pick, nobody ever really thought he was going to do anything. Like, I love that story of, like, his brother got drafted, and then uh, I think it was the Stars, maybe. They were like, why don't we take his brother, too? It'd be a cool thing. And then they were like, nah, we're going to take some high school kid that never made it to do anything. Yeah, and then the Rangers finally just like took him just as like a shot out of one of their scouts, and it's amazing what happens when you trust your scouts. So yeah, again, just I mean, talk about an absolute battler in that. Um, kind of redefined the position a little bit because he played it a little bit differently than anybody else. But I, I'm so happy for him. I hope he gets his call to the Hall one day. Um, he definitely and, will. Definitely. Yeah, and I mean, people forget like he he won the gold medal with Sweden too. So. Um, real success, maybe not in the National Hockey League, but obviously in his international career too. Yeah, just a well-deserved honor for Hank. You know, I watched a ton of his games. Obviously, um, you know, being down here, the Rangers are always on. So um, they don't make the Cup final without him in 2014. He was just unbelievable that entire playoff. Um, so salute to Hank, and also down in Dallas, maybe one of the more underrated careers in NHL history, Sergei Zubov. He got his number 56 retired um, down in Dallas. They were wearing the old um, Stars jerseys that, you know, I agree with you. They should – they really they really should bring those back. I forgot how nice they were until the players started running out. I was like, why did they ever switch? Yeah, it doesn't make any They're sense. Incredible. Um, another former Ranger actually as well. Uh, 1,068 games played, 771 career points. Uh, he played with Dallas from 96-97 until he retired in 2009. Um, just a mark of consistency. This guy would just put up points among points among points. He led the Stanley Cup Final Rangers in points in 94 with 89. As like I think he was like 22. He was super young. Um, this guy was unbelievable and just one of the more underrated careers we've seen. Yeah, I used to have my brother used to have his curve. That's how I always remember like thinking about Sergey Zubov because he always had like a longer blade and then like a curve that was like curved like really late. I don't know I can't describe that, but it's fine. Um, Just Google it. Just somebody Google it. You'll, you'll see. It. <laughs> but yeah, man, over four hundred power play points like in his career, like that alone is more than the majority. Like his power play points alone are like much more than the majority of players in their career. So to to show you like how creative he was, how good of a passer that he was, how the cannon of a shot that he had. Um, And and honestly too, like playing a lot of his years in Ken Hitchcock's defensive system probably could have even put up even more points if he played in today's NHL. Like you talk about guys joining the rush, playing like an old Eric Carlson type. Like that's, that's the thing that would be, like that's the thing to me that I always think about. Like, man, how are these guys' games relate to today? So I'm happy for him. I mean, maybe they waited so long because he wore such a weird, weird number in '56, but I'm happy they finally did it. Yeah, a well deserved honor. Um, and you know, good for him. Good for Hank that those guys finally got their, you know, got their just dude. The Hank they didn't waste any time. I mean, Hank he's only been out of the league about a year and a half, and they said let's get this guy's number retired because there's no reason to wait. Um, I guess we'll end the show with, I guess, kind of an embarrassing story coming out of the NHL. Um, everybody's kind of knows what's going on with the Arizona Coyotes saga of them not knowing where they're going to play next season with the Gila River Arena, you know, throwing them out on their asses and, you know, throwing away the key. Um, so it's looking like they, there's a, a plan, a proposal 
for them to play at Arizona State University's new all-purpose arena where ASU would play. And it seats about 5,000 people. Here's my issue. A, it's it, revenue is going to just like go in the toilet for the team that already has the 32nd most revenue made in the league. Um, they got pissed that the the league got pissed that the Islanders are going to play at the Coliseum that sat 13,000 for hockey. That's 8,000 more than them. <laughs> like 8,000 more than what they were originally mad about. And they're like, yeah. I mean, let's do it while we wait to for this plan to build an arena in Tempe, Arizona. I, I, I can't for the life of me. I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to have my team that I love moved to another city. But you know what? Sometimes you got to cut your losses here. It's it's just not working. The team is bad. Nobody cares. You think people are gonna go to Arizona State? To see them play, maybe in the beginning when it's a novelty, but when they start sucking and it's January, you'll be lucky to get fifteen hundred people in there. Yeah, like the out of state kids from like New York and Pennsylvania will like go and watch their hometown teams I play would go, one time. I would go all the time. I would <laughs> go always. Like, but they aren't like us, you know. We're well, that's what I mean. Like you're gonna like most people, they're gonna go one game a year, right? Like. How is that going to make up any sort of revenue? I don't know. It's just, I, for me, I'm, I'm irritated and frustrated because the NHL did not try this hard to keep the team in Atlanta, right? The NHL did not try this hard to keep the team in Hartford. Nope. But the NHL is trying this hard to keep this team in Arizona because they feel like, well, if we give them the number one pick, maybe with this draft, then, like, you're... <laughs> Maybe maybe this is maybe this is the way to fix it, right? We put a superstar there, and I don't know. Like I was thinking too the other day, like Shane Wright uh, plays plays hockey in Kingston, right? Kingston's arena is probably more than five thousand people. There's OHL arenas full. that are bigger. There's definitely OHL arenas that are bigger. Definitely. Yeah, like I know for a fact the London Knights play in front of an eight thousand arena, play in an eight thousand seating arena. Um, I don't know what their regular attendance is. Like, I'm not gonna lie to people, but like, that this just it makes no sense to me at all. And like, why aren't the other owners being like, "Hey, this is stupid, right?" <laughs> like, do you want to own this team or do you not want to own this? It's kind of starting to creep out. Owners are kind of like, "This is bullshit," because we're like we're losing money. Like, they shouldn't be allowed to revenue share because they're not bringing in any revenue. Yeah, like. I, I don't, oh my gosh, it's just, it's so stupid, like, and I mean, if I'm Shane Wright, like, or one of these other top prospects, I guess, like, do I pull the plug, do I, like, pull the power move and be like, hey, I'm not going here, like, even if you have the number one overall pick, I'm not going here. Pulling Eli. Sorry. Yeah, like, I just, like, why wouldn't you? And I would just go up to Gary Batman and be like, look, it's not going to do anything for the league if I'm just going to waste away here for the next three Three years and just leave anyway. Yeah, like what? What is that going to do for anyone? Like, <laughs> we're not going to get like massive followings because they got one first overall pick, a Canadian kid that nobody in Arizona even identifies with. That nobody they, that I'd say ninety five percent of the people in Arizona and half the Coyotes fans, if they're casual fans, have never even heard of him. That's just I don't know. This just makes zero sense to me all that at all levels i don't know like and like i said like if the nhl tried this hard to keep like the whalers around or to keep the or to keep the winnipeg jets around the first time like they what was their thing they're like you guys have to build a new stadium otherwise you know we're we're moving you and now it's like oh okay you have to build a new stadium but it only has to be a five thousand seat stadium it's okay now, while, now while you wait to get approved for your new arena it's like yeah that, that might not go through this- yeah, and the city clearly hates this team anyway because they were late on their freaking tax revenue and their financial stuff. It's just like, why? Why are you doing this? It's such an embarrassment. It's just such like a black eye on the league. That's like minor league garbage. Like, it's for a team that nobody really cares about anyway, I hate to say it, 
I really do. You know, coming from the guy whose team is second in his city, nobody cares about the Coyotes out there. Nobody's there. I don't know how many diehards there are out there. Yeah. I mean, everyone's like a Cardinals fan, Cardinals slash Sun slash whatever other. I mean, Diamondbacks are terrible, but like garbage. You know what I mean? Like, there's 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 enough stuff to do out in Arizona in that area without having to spend time at a hockey game. Yeah, I mean, like a casual fan will maybe go to two games a year, and like if you're going to a five thousand seat arena, think about all the money you're you're losing just. From the fans, you're losing money on food, drinks, parking, you know, team store, wh- whatever. You're, you're losing all that. Sweets. There's probably zero sweets in this stupid arena, too, if it's a college arena, right? Yeah, there's none. It's all, it's probably all like general admission seating. Like, you show up and you sit where you want. I, I don't know. And then you got to worry about where these guys practice. You got to worry about all that stuff. Like, it's just, it's, it's pathetic. For lack of a better term, it's pathetic. I, I'm really hoping that the Players Association comes in and just causes, even if they can't do anything to block it, just causes absolute hell and mayhem, files injunctions, do whatever they have to do, just create as much of a stink about this as they want. Think about a guy like Andrew Ladd. He was like the first guy I thought of. He's got a year left on his deal, right? Finally. Um, he's got a year left on that deal, and he's going to go play at a, on a, at a college in front of 5,000 people, a guy who's played like probably like 800 games in the NHL. Can you imagine what he thinks? I mean, Lad is kind of like on his last chance. So, I mean, maybe that's the only team he plays with. But, like, what about Keller? Yeah. Like, you think Keller's like, why did I sign this deal? What the fuck was I thinking? Yeah. Get me out of here. Like, why would – and he just saw OEL demand a trade and it worked out for him. Like, why wouldn't he just do the same thing this offseason? I'll take him. Um, Everybody in the league would take yeah, him. Yeah, anybody would take him. Um it's 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 not good, and it's gonna it's gonna get a lot worse, and it's already really freaking bad. Um, boy, I hate to end the podcast on such a positive note. Um, well, oh. all right, one more thing, positive thing. Pat Verbeek, assistant general manager with the Red Wings, hired by the Anaheim Ducks yes, today. Thank you. Um, hires he replaces Bob Murray, who I hope never gets another job again in the yeah. NHL. Um, but this so. was this was Stevie Wise, right hand man. I think it's only a matter of time. And I mean, who wouldn't want this Ducks job with the amount of young talent and cap space they're going to have in a few years? So I expect this team to continue to be building in the right direction. I think they're just going to be an absolute dynasty in another dynasty, like in NHL terms, meaning like they'll win a cup out of like one every three years, maybe. Um, and I just think like this t- this organization continues to head in the right direction. Yeah, and it's you know things are looking good for the Ducks out there, um, you know things they're really just, man, it's it's unbelievable. That's like how good they've how good they've gotten. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we could end on that. Um, okay, that's about all I have for you. Um, that's what, Nikki. Anything else you want to go over? No. Uh, all-star game this weekend festivities I believe start tomorrow they have fastest skating save streak I still don't really understand what that is I don't get that either it's so boring the NHL fountain face-off which they haven't really explained what the hell that's gonna be uh, the hardest shot and the breakaway challenge um, and the accuracy shooting I think I am most excited for probably I mean I'm I don't know what this what this fountain face-off is going to be so I don't know. It's but the like, intrigue. The intrigue has you. Yeah. But like this this accuracy shooting thing with guys like Drysidel, Aho, Troy Terry, Goudreau, Marcus Bergeron, like I think this is gonna be that's gonna be incredible. It always is. Um I'm I'm protesting the fastest skater. Um because they didn't <laughs> invite didn't get in there. they didn't invite Barzell to defend his title, so it's irrelevant to me. I might not even watch it. Um, I feel like Adrian Kempe is secretly going to win that one. Like, I know everyone's on McDavid, but, like, the ice quality plays a factor in this event so much that, like, I feel like Kempe is going to go second or whatever and, like, post the best time. Well, who are the guys in it? Let me pull it up. It's Kreider, Kempe, Kyle Connor, Kuznetsov, Jordan Cairo, which is not a speedster, Dylan Larkin, 
Cal McCarr and then McDavid. Oh, I'm betting on McCarr. I am a hundred percent betting on Cal McCarr. A thousand percent. I think they should have to do a lap forward and then a lap backwards. Do you know who holds the record for all time fastest skater? Uh, In this ghost competition, obviously. Um, is it a current player or a former player? Current player. I don't, is it Barzell? I don't know. Barzell is third. It's Jonathan Drouin in 2015. 13.103 oh, oh. seconds. I would not have put, Wow, you could have gave me 50 guesses. I would not yeah. have come up with them. That's why I only gave you the one because we don't have all that. <laughs> um, Dylan Larkin, second in 2016. He had 13.172. Barzell, 2020, 13.175. Carl Haglund in 2012. People forget how fast Carl Haglund yeah. was. Straight line. Like, yeah, ridiculous. Man. That's why that dude dominated in college because it was just like smaller rink and it was just like, yeah, you still can't catch this guy. Yeah, and like he was such a good penalty killer with the Rangers. Like as soon as the Rangers would get the puck, he would fly up the ice and would just shorthanded goals at one after the other. Um, yeah, 13.21 seconds for Carl Haglund and Connor McDavid in 2017, 13.31 seconds. I am protesting the fastest skater. It doesn't matter. Um, so angry. I'm angry. So angry all the time. Listen, my team stinks. So I got to get something, right? Uh, shout out Adam Pellick. Um, all right, everybody. He won't have a shot. He won't. Um, but he does have a sneaky. <laughs> he does have a sneaky, like a sneaky good shot. Like he, but he just like doesn't get involved in the play. If they had like a poke checking contest. He would totally win. He hands down. Like running, that away, even be close. running away, he'd win that. <laughs> For who's the smartest uh, below the hash marks? Stick positioning competition. Oh God! Always Adam. Pellick. It's Adam Pellick a hundred times out of a hundred. All right, and that is it. that is everything for this week. Um, we'll be back next week to kind of you know recap the All Star Weekend, recap everything, and you know get us started for the second half of the season. Happy birthday, Dad! I'm Eric. He's Nick. We're your top pair. We'll see you later.